Carl sort of stood out the first time he walked into our church. His polo shirt, which was probably his nicest shirt, had seen better days. And he topped his outfit off with some cargo shorts and well-worn tennis shoes. His shaved head, his face, his hands, all bore scars that told many stories, some too horrific for public consumption. He shuffled through the main doors and shook the greeter's hand. Carl chose to sit on the back row closest to the door just in case he needed to make a quick exit. A lady invited him, but he barely knew her, she barely knew him, but there he was, not really knowing what to expect, except he was going to church. Little did Carl know that sitting near the door would guarantee everybody in the church would see him as they came in. And one by one, they approached him and excitedly shook his hand. Hey, we're so glad you're here, one person said. Hey, thank you for coming. You're going to love this, another promised. The pastor, the assistant pastor, and a slew of other ministry leaders introduced themselves. Carl couldn't understand it. If only they knew, he thought to himself. As soon as service was over, Carl made a beeline for his truck and scooted out of the parking lot. But something about the warmth of that congregation made him come back the next week. The second service was not much different than the first. Still had the cargo shorts, still sat on the back row, and yet still felt lots of love and still had lots of handshakes. After that service, Carl once again rushed out to his vehicle, but as he started the engine, something caught his eye. One of the church elders, Sister McGrady, was hurrying down the steps of the church, waving at him, yelling, and asking him to wait. Carl was shocked. This lady was obviously in her 70s, and she couldn't walk well. The steps were clearly causing her trouble as she clung desperately to the rail for balance. When Sister McGrady finally got to Carl's truck, she gripped the side mirror to catch her balance and took time to catch her breath. And then she said, Carl, I didn't get a chance to shake your hand, and I wanted to tell you we love having you here. You don't need to feel like you have to run off right after church. We all have a past. We love you. We want the best for you. Carl sat in his truck dumbfounded. After a few seconds, he mumbled some words of thanks and then sped away from the church. He pulled over into an empty restaurant parking lot, not too far from the church, and he wept. No one had ever said anything like that to him before. No one had ever shown him that kind of love and compassion before. It was the first time, but it would not be the last time. Shortly after their little conversation, somebody started giving Carl a Bible study and discovered his past. He had lived a life of drugs. He'd used, he had dealt. Carl had experienced gang fights and trauma that left his body scarred and left him feeling irredeemable. However, because a handful of people in a small Pentecostal church looked past his past, they loved him unconditionally, and they envisioned what he could become in Jesus Christ. Carl found a new home and became a new creature in Christ Jesus. And within just a couple of months, he was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Spirit. More about Carl's story and more about a woman we're going to call Carla's story right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast. Brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. 
You're listening to L.J. Harry. I'm happily your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. Today's episode stems from a lesson that was dated on June 26, 2022, entitled Water from the Well. And today's episode is going to take a look at a lady. We're going to call her Carla, and her story is told in the book of John, chapter 4. We're going to read it, verse number 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. John four thirteen through 14. Now, Jesus knew what he was doing when he chose to go through Samaria. His disciples didn't know it. His disciples didn't like it. The Jews and Samaritans didn't like or trust each other. Samaritans consider Jews to be snobby and elitist. Jews consider Samaritans to be unequal because of their ancestry. But Jesus had a plan to tear down all that hatred and all those walls that existed between these two people groups by offering his love and salvation to both. Jesus revealed who he was directly to the Samaritan people. This is how Jesus operates in our lives. He comes to us and meets us right where we are. Although the Old Testament doesn't specifically mention Jacob's well by name, Genesis 33 verses 18 through 20 records that Jacob purchased a place of land and constructed an altar which he called El Eloi Israel, which literally means God, the God of Israel. This happened immediately following Jacob's reunion with his brother Esau after many years of being separated from him. And scholars believe this is the precise location where Jacob dug this well. It was similar to Jacob and Esau's estrangement. The Samaritans had experienced a long separation from the greater mainstream of Jewish Israel. But just like Esau and Jacob were able to reconcile, Jesus came near Sychar in Samaria to reconcile a lonely Samaritan woman and many others back to himself. And Jesus is still doing this same reconciliatory work today. He still has the power to bring the lost back to him regardless of how long they've been away. Let me ask you this question. What testimonies do you have in your life of God's reconciling and redeeming work? And what altars or monuments have you created to remember these wonderful reconciling and redeeming times? Well, a woman went to the well at the sixth hour, which was 12 o'clock noon, high noon, hottest part of the day, and she drew water from a deep well. That was difficult, laborious work. Why would somebody do such a hard, wearisome, sweaty task in the hottest part of the day, unless she was just trying to avoid other people? This woman probably went to the well at precisely this time to avoid all the long stares and all the whispers behind her back about her past. However, regardless of what she had experienced in her past at this well, this day she would experience something altogether different. People who have made life-altering mistakes, they often avoid invasive questions. They avoid places and they avoid people where they know they'll face embarrassment and confrontation. If people have been hurt by people in church, they might be reluctant to darken the doors of a church, fearing they might be embarrassed once again by their past. The commission of Christians, therefore, is to go out and find these people and love them back into a reconciled relationship with Jesus Christ. 
just as the good shepherd left the 99 safe sheep and found his way into the dangerous woods just to find the single straggler, we must be confident enough to go into the highways, the byways, to find those who are embarrassed by their past mistakes and let them know Jesus and we still love them. While most Jews might not have even looked at the Samaritan woman, certainly wouldn't have spoken to her, Jesus did. He spoke directly to her with kindness, with respect. He treated her as a person, not as a pariah, which is more than most people who knew her past would have ever done. Jesus did not treat her as anything less than one of his crowning creation. In a similar way today, the church should not avoid or treat harmfully anybody God sends into our path. Everyone who walks into our church buildings, they can tell stories of shame, pain, heartache, sin. But Jesus himself demonstrated that no sin in a person was so great that Jesus would not sit down and have a conversation with them. We should be willing to look beyond each person's past and treat everyone with the same respect and dignity we would hope others would treat us. This woman had a lot to be ashamed of. Her past seared her memories and her conscience, and she tried her best to avoid revealing what she had done. However, when Jesus finally revealed he knew everything about her past, he did not embarrass her or speak down to her. When the disciples returned, and even when the town folk came to see Jesus, he did not hide the fact that he had spoken to her and ministered with compassion to her. Jesus didn't care what people said about him. All he knew was this woman needed hope and salvation, and he could offer both. Christians may worry about witnessing and reaching out to people with less than reputable pasts. Some may think they'll be mocked or ridiculed because they're seen with people who curse or who use drugs or have been known to be sexually promiscuous or have some great sins hanging over their lives. But we shouldn't be ashamed of being seen with them, just as Jesus was not ashamed to be seen with this woman at the well. Obviously, we need to exercise wisdom and caution in where we go and what we do. But if Christians avoid people with a past, how will people with a past ever hear the message of Jesus and drink from the water of life? Quite frankly, how would we have ever heard the message of Jesus? And how would we have drunk freely and deeply from the water of life? Here's another question. How can we be faithful, loving witnesses to people who have made major life-altering mistakes while also protecting ourselves and our Christian testimony? That's a pretty good question. Jesus provided the perfect example of how we can be loving, compassionate examples to people with pasts. Because of how pervasive sin is, more and more people who have made life-altering mistakes are coming into our churches and thank God for it. Their experiences may be vastly different from our own. Regardless, the love and compassion Jesus Christ has offered us is the same he's offering them. Many scriptures in scripture give us the commandment to be just like Jesus in this regard. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he was demonstrating love, compassion, servitude. He told them, you call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. But if I then, your master and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. John 13, verses 13 through 15. This commandment to imitate Christ was taken seriously by his followers. Paul wrote in one place, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Paul wrote in another place, 
Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Ephesians 5 verses 1 through 2. Part of walking in love as Christ walked in love is showing love and compassion even to society's most undesirable. While Jesus sat near a well, Jesus used an analogy that would be both relevant and universally understandable. This wasn't the first time the woman had come to Jacob's well to draw water, and it would not be her last. Her physical thirst would inevitably return, and so would she. But Jesus offered an eternal solution to her spiritual thirst, another deficiency which constantly plagued her. Just like for this woman, there is no shortage of spiritual thirst among people in our world. A quick glance at the spirituality and religion section at your local bookstore will prove this point is true. There is no shortage of self-help books, introductions to every belief system imaginable, and pages and pages of books promising lasting spiritual change. But if these books worked in any type of enduring manner, the publishers might go out of business. Anyone who keeps going to these sources of water, they will surely thirst again. But anyone who comes to Jesus will find the only permanent thirst-quenching solution for their soul. What are some non-Christian spiritual wells in this world that people keep turning to? What about you? Is there a well you used to draw water from? How can we reach people who have been deceived to draw water from a well that will never quench their thirst? Jesus is the only well of eternal life. This is proven consistently throughout Scripture. It's echoed in other parts of John's Gospel. Jesus told a crowd gathered at a feast, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. For he that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. John 7, verses 37 through 38. Christ told another crowd, He that believeth on me shall never thirst. John 6, verse 35. Jesus told many people about the living water that could only be found in him, that he was offering all of them. When we share Jesus Christ with others, we can be confident we're giving them something that will last and satisfy. If the water came from us, we we should be worried. But if we connect people to the real source, the only one who can quench their thirst, Jesus will make up the difference above and beyond anything we could ever hope to provide. I'm so glad Jesus didn't discriminate against this woman he met at the well. Even though he knew her past, and even though her past was not perfect, Jesus operated keenly with intentionality. He knew by saving this woman with all the problems in her past, her testimony would be effective to reach everybody in the entire area. Jesus wanted to demonstrate at Jacob's well that the living water he offered was effective to save everyone, no matter how extreme their past. When Jesus loved Saul, the domestic terrorist, Jesus demonstrated that his love could save anybody and he shared the living water with whosoever would come to him and receive it. Think about your life and people you've met. What are some extreme situations and circumstances God saved you from? And why don't you share your testimony with others and let them know what he did for you, he can do for them. This is the time for us to be Christ-like. Just as Jesus was willing to share living water with anybody regardless of their past, regardless of their sin, we must be ready and willing to share it as well. Regardless of the mistakes people have made in their past, Jesus is still calling for laborers to go into the fields and search for people ready to receive him. 
Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 through 38, record what many people call Jesus' only prayer request. Jesus told his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore. This is Jesus writing his prayer request down on the little card and giving it to the usher to hand to the speaker. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into the harvest. Harvest can be backbreaking, uncomfortable, laborious work. But the work we put in the harvest is always worth it because the abundant bounty we finally harvest. The work we put in to share the gospel with everybody, regardless of their past, it may be work, but it will be worth it. After all, if God can save me and you, well, he can save anybody. Last question. What are some of the things you're already doing to share God's living water with people? And what more could you do that you feel like God would have you to do? Okay, let's wrap this up. This is our challenge for today. If we are to be Christ-like, we must share living water with people who have made life-altering mistakes. More and more people will walk into our church buildings from a myriad of backgrounds, will be a part of our church families. We must remember Jesus died for them just as much as he died for us. We may not know what is in their past, but may we never forget where God brought us from. May we be compassionate and never condemn people because of where they are or where they've been. This is one of the reasons Paul wrote to the Corinthians, to remind them that even though some of them had been promiscuous and idol worshipers and abusive before God saved them, to remind the Christians they had no right to pretend they got where they got on their own righteousness. Do you remember Sister McGrady? That sweet little senior church lady who rushed out of the sanctuary to tell Carl, a drug addict and drug dealer, that he was loved and he could be redeemed regardless of his past. Well, at first glance, one might think that'd be easy for the church matriarch to say. Sister McGrady appeared to be the image of holiness and godliness. Most would only aspire to imitate somebody like her. But what you may not know, and Carl did not know, is 50 years earlier, God saved Sister McGrady from a lifestyle of promiscuity and living in a brothel. To look at her after 50 years of salvation... One might not be able to imagine how God could have brought her that far, but Sister McGrady never forgot. And when Carl hurried through the back door of that church, Sister McGrady told herself once again, if God could save me, he could save anybody. And she took it upon herself to share God's love one more time. Will you join Sister McGrady in her desire and purpose to spread God's love, the same love you've received? Will you reach out to the least of these and spread the news of God's grace and mercy, which none of us deserve, yet all of us have a chance to receive? Will you pledge to look beyond somebody's past and envision how God could transform that person? Will you pray with me that we can be just like Jesus Christ in this way and somebody today can experience the love of God through us who have experienced the love of God? Let's pray and ask the Lord to use us in just that way. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you for how you demonstrated your love to the woman at the well. I know there are people in our lives, men and women, children, students, all around us who need to experience your love, who need your grace just as we need your grace. 
Help us, God, to minister to the Carls and the Carlas in our lives. Help us, Jesus, to see them. Help us to hear them. Help us to notice them. Help us to care for them, to have compassion for them. Use us, Jesus, to be moved by your compassion and minister to them. You saved us. You can save anybody. I'm asking you to let us share your love with people today. Lead us to the hungry, the thirsty, to give them the bread of life and living water, which we have been so blessed to enjoy. I pray this today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, thanks so much, God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to click subscribe. Be sure to click share. And you'll never miss an episode. None of your friends will have to miss an episode either. And if you know somebody, a Carl or a Carla in your life, who could use this story and who could be blessed to know Jesus ministered to the woman at the well, he can minister to them. Please be sure to share it with them. And head over to PentecostalPublishing.com, great resources, Bibles, Bible studies, books, music, great resources over there, devotionals. Head over there and you'll enjoy some things that will help you in your discipleship and help others in theirs. Next week, we continue our series of Loving the Unloved, and our episode is entitled Love Your Neighbor, and it stems from Luke chapter 10 concerning the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, Visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.